Chapter 74 of The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers by Simon Landis. Chapter 74 all the guests examined and the assassin detected. After the wounds of Dr. Juno were dressed, he felt very comfortable and expressed a desire to go to sleep, when all left the room except Miss Armington, who remained by his side, expressing her great affection and grief at the sad termination of the ceremony, when he said, "'Darling Lucinda, do you remember the dream I once told you I dreamt three times concerning our nuptials, and each time being interrupted by deep, designing enemies? Indeed, I do. This seems like a fulfillment of that dreadful dream. But now, will you sit by me a while, until I compose myself, for I feel it is necessary for me to keep quiet and go to sleep if I can? Certainly, my beloved, with joy I will remain with you and pet you to sleep, responded she. When General Armington and the three physicians returned to the parlor, he said to the officers of the regiment, "'Gentlemen, order your men to guard well the outside, preventing anyone from escaping, whilst you order, first all the men in single file, to pass into the parlor from the right-hand window there, and after we shall examine each one, and finding him not guilty, we will pass him out by the left door, separating them until all the men are examined.' and if we do not find the murderer amongst the males, we shall then do the same to each lady. Now begin." The line was formed, and every man was vouched for as a good, loyal naturalist, all cheerfully permitted to have themselves thoroughly examined, because they were as anxious to find the criminal as the general himself, and all were of the opinion that it was a woman who fired the pistol. The floors and surrounding grounds were examined, but no weapon was found. Then the female's turn came, and nearly one half of them were being vouched for as being loyal naturalists, upon whose persons no weapon was found, which seemed to appear very curious, and some even suspicioned that a traitor or traitoress was amongst the members of the naturalists. But at this moment the made-up, disguised Nancy Clover's turn came. No one could vouch for her. She was a stranger. Not a single person even knew her she was examined without the least objections being made on her part. She seemed innocent, but General Armington said, "'As this woman is a stranger, and cannot be vouched for, although she seems innocent, it cannot be esteemed improper to retain her as a prisoner until we find the true culprit. And if we do not find him or her, we shall be compelled to make this lady give a full account of herself, who invited her, and how she happened to be here.' The heroic and determined Nancy Clover was asked to stand aside, and was guarded by two soldiers, whilst the balance of the women were vouched for and examined, until the third to the last made her appearance, who had the pistol in her dress pocket, and as the examiner at once got his hand upon the pistol and took it from her pocket, he said, "'Here is the weapon!' "'Great God!' was an exclamation that was heard all over the room. "'Maria! Oh, Sister Maria!' what have you done?" exclaimed a gentleman, and the entire brotherhood and sisterhood of naturalists were amazed. Some exclaimed, 
It cannot be possible that our most faithful sister is guilty. No, never. I have done nothing. But how came that pistol in your pocket? interrupted General Armington gently. I do not charge you with the crime, but cannot you tell us how you came to have this pistol in your pocket? I do not know, continued Sister Maria. Nancy Clover's nerves were wrought up to a high pitch of excitement at this state of affairs, and she soliloquized, The old fool is being vouched for as one of their most popular and loyal sister naturalists, which makes it seem dark for me. But I will be calm. Think for a moment, said the general. If you recollect that someone was close enough by you who might have slipped it into your pocket. Curse that old crazy scoundrel, thought Nancy Clover. Yes, I do remember, exclaimed Sister Maria, and, turning toward Nancy Clover, continued, This woman fainted and threw herself into my arms, and I now remember that she was fumbling about my dress, but then I did not suspicion her. I am sure she is guilty. The general said, So I thought, and a groan went through the large crowd. Sister Maria, you also stand aside continue the general, until we finish the balance of the ladies. In a few moments the rest were examined and vouched for, when the general ordered, "'Captain Thomas, please order your soldiers into the parlour and form a circle with them, and six of us and these two ladies will go into the centre and complete our search.' This done, the general questioned Maria as follows. "'You are sure, Maria Wilson, that this woman, pointing to Nancy Clover, was the person that fainted in your arms? I am most positive of it, said Maria. I know by that mark on her forehead. Do you think she really fainted? asked he. No, but I can now easily understand why she recovered so quickly after she had done fumbling about my dress, said she. She evidently only feigned to faint to deceive me. "'What have you to say to this stranger?' asked the general of Nancy Clover. "'I have never touched this woman to my recollection,' answered Nancy. "'Who are you? What is your name?' questioned the general. "'I cannot see why I should be suspicioned,' she ejaculated, waxing indignant. "'Neither do I see that it is any of your affairs what my name is.' I will show very soon whether it is or not," responded the general angrily. "'Look here, general,' said the captain, whilst pulling a wig from the chaste stranger's scalpology. "'This woman is in disguise. She is evidently a bloody conspirator, fixed up for assassination.' The general took a piercing look at her face and form, when he exclaimed, with holy indignation, "'It is Miss Nancy Clover!' the Prime Minister of the bloody clique by the gods! How dare you, miserable wretch, come to my house to assassinate my son-in-law!" Here a tremendous rush was made for the would-be assassin by the naturalists. End of chapter 74